welcome to No More Shame, the podcast dedicated to breaking the shame narrative and healing the wounds of shame that hold us back. In each episode, Dr. Megan Clunan will be exploring the tools of psychology and the truths of Christian theology to help you live free from shame and in the reality of your true identity. So let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to the No More Shame podcast. This is episode 15, and today's topic is repentance, not regret. So today we're going to talk about the fact that Jesus has called us to himself to heal our shame. One way being by way of repentance rather than regret. So too many times have I had conversations with others, and too many times have I even said this myself, about how much you know I just hate the things that I've done in my past. Have you said that? Have you heard that? It's so easy to get caught in the mind's vortex of regret and shame over our past sins, our past failures, our stupidity, you name it. We can relive those losses a thousand times a day if we want, and some of us do. I've been in seasons where I have, yet the Holy Spirit and his kindness reminds, sometimes pretty intensely reminds, okay, so Holy Spirit kindness isn't always soft and fluffy. (laughs) He says, get up and follow me. Let's go. That vortex of of shame and regret, that's not where you belong. You belong with me. And we read in Isaiah 43, God speaking to the Israelite people in a very clear way. He says to them, see, I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Don't you want to join me? Forget the former things. Come with me, he's saying. Move on. But this is so very hard, my friends. If we are listening to shame, remind us of our regret. And it's okay to hate what you've done. It's the problem. I mean, it's a good thing. There are things that we do in our lives that we do hate. And it's okay to hate what we've done. But it's not okay to stay there. It's okay to never want to go back. To not want to have like the old way of living be a way you live ever again. That's okay. But it's not okay to think you can't move forward. That doesn't need to be your lived reality. And it's not what Jesus came to give you. So our key verses for unpacking this conversation today, they come from 2 Corinthians 7, 9 through 11. And this is uh, Paul writing to the Corinthian church, and he's saying these words to them. Again, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 9 through 11. And, and these are this is what they say. Uh, the verses say this. He says, I now rejoice, not that you were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. For you were made sorrowful according to the will of God so that you might not suffer loss in anything through us. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world produces death. For behold, what earnestness this very thing, this godly sorrow has produced in you, what vindication of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment of wrong, and everything you demonstrated yourselves to be innocent in the matter. So let's unpack this. He says this, he says, I now rejoice, not that you were made sorrowful. Okay, so he's not happy about whatever it was they were doing, which he talks about repentance in the same verse, which implies that they were going in a direction opposite of God. Because at its heart and at its core, repentance is coming back to God. And so they were going the other way. So we don't have to repent if we're not walking away from God. And so that's what they were doing. And so he's saying, I'm not happy that you were made sorrowful. I don't like whatever was going on that that has caused um this feeling in you, but I am grateful that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance because repentance is a gift of grace. Repentance is a gift of God that says you weren't made for that. You were made for me and they have come back. And this is beautiful. 
Okay, this is the difference between shame and repentance also, right? That Or sorrowful, sorrow from God and sorrow from shame. So shame makes us sorrowful because um, not because it's not from God doesn't lead us to repentance. It actually leads us into hiding. We, and that makes everything worse. We know this. Uh, Brene Brown, she has a ton of research out there on shame and vulnerability. And something she often says is that shame just needs three ingredients to survive and thrive. Okay. She says, imagine putting your shame in a Petri dish and watching it grow. In order to watch it grow, you just need three ingredients. You need secrecy, you need silence, and you need judgment. And she goes on to say that if, if though you put that same amount of shame in a Petri dish and douse it with empathy, it can't survive. So repentance is the ultimate path of empathy. It is God's grace of empathy in our lives. It's where Jesus comes and looks you in the eyes because you're owning up to whatever it is that's causing us to say, hey, got to turn because I was walking away from God and I need to come back to you. And Jesus comes and looks you in the eyes and he says, I know and I love you. I know. Whatever it is you're hiding, whatever it is you're regretting, whatever it is is your sin or your failure or your shortcoming or whatever, fill in the blank, I know and I have come for you. I know and I'm not put off by whatever you think you're hiding. So friends, if you're hiding something you've done, secrecy, silence, judgment, because we don't hide things we're proud of, you don't have to do this from Jesus. Invite him in. He is the healer. Shame shatters our souls. It shreds them. But Jesus is the healer. He wants to make you whole. Give him your shame. Whatever it's about, give it to him. Shame over that affair. Shame over your addiction. Shame over the way you yell at your kids. Maybe your lack of trust in his provision so you work yourself to death trying to be your own savior. Maybe your hatred of your own body or your bitterness and jealousy over other people's lives and lack of gratitude for your own. Maybe you're drinking too much. Maybe you're out of control anger. Whatever it is your shame is over. Whatever it is that regret is over. Maybe whatever it was, because maybe some of you have brought it up, you're still living in the world of regret and not living as though you have been given this beautiful gift of repentance. Whatever it is, give it to Jesus invite him into this scripture tells us that while we were still sinners he came for us which means before you and i even acknowledged that we needed a savior he came for us he's not put off by our sin he knew that's who we were and knew we would need him and so he came repentance literally means to return to the fold of god To return to what we were made for, which is to live in relationship with him. When we are sorry for our actions, our sins, our failures, to the point that we repent, we know this is from God. Because the whole point of all God does is to get us to live in communion, in relationship with him. Sorrow is not bad if it leads us to repentance. It's harmful when we get stuck in regret, however. Regret is shame-filled. Repentance is grace-filled. The dictionary definition of regret is literally to remember with a feeling of loss. That is not what God wants for you and I. 
I know we've talked about how our brains work before in other ways and places and, and podcast episodes, but episodes, but this warrants it a little bit again, I think. So um, every time, you know, regarding the brain, every time we have a thought, the pathway of that thought gets reinforced and becomes easier to think again. It's like paving a road. The more I travel down the path, the easier, more paved that path becomes. Our brains, so for example, regarding this topic, when we dwell on past failures and sins, our brains are paving the pathway of regret. It's deepening and entrenching these pathways in our minds, these pathways of pain and of loss. The more we travel it, the easier it is to do so, and the more permanent those losses feel, almost as if they begin to define us, which we know is exactly what shame does indeed want. It wants to define us by less than our identity as a child of God. It wants to define us by less than our identity as one who has been made in the image of God for a relationship with him through Jesus. Because if it can steal our identity, it can steal our life. Friends, with Jesus, that's not our story. Sorrow, according to the will of God, doesn't produce loss. Just look at 2 Corinthians 7, 9. That's literally what it says at the very end. It says, For you were made sorrowful according to the will of God so that you might not suffer loss in anything. Rather, it produces salvation and life. The next verse says this. Sorrow, according to the will of God, produces a repentance without regret leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world produces death. This is the gift of God in this gift of repentance. Why? Because it leads to the ultimate gift of empathy. The act, the beautiful act of being able to return to the fold of God. That's our identity. One who belongs with God, not one who belongs stuck in loss. And yeah, I know. Okay, so let me like step out uh, for a second. Side note. I know some of you listening today might be saying, okay, yeah, I hear you and I've given my sin and failure to Jesus. But if I'm honest, I don't feel like I have godly sorrow. It, It feels very much like regret and loss still. I still feel a lot of shame and I don't see it as a good thing yet. I'm going to ask you if that is where you are. I need you to ask Jesus. I need you to ask the Holy Spirit Ask him to search your heart. Ask him to get with you and let him ask you this question, actually. What good has he done since you brought to light the truth of all you've done? We need to ask him to ask us that question. We need to invite him into that intimacy and that kind of vulnerability Because there has been good that has been done and it's so easy to miss when we're stuck in regret. Sometimes we don't see it because we aren't looking. And I want you to make the list. I want you to pray. I want you to journal. I want you to invite him in and let him ask you that question. Okay, what good have I done since you brought to me the truth of all you've done? In your life, in your way of living, in your family, in your soul, since you have chosen to repent. And then asking, maybe there's something else in there that I haven't repented of. Search me and know me. This is what Psalm 139 says at the very end. See if there's any hurtful way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Get in there is what's being asked. And then I want you to also let the Holy Spirit ask you this question. Okay, if all you're feeling is pain and loss still, what have you lost 
since coming to me with what you've done. Not only how have I made it good, but what have you lost? There have been times in my own life where I I needed to answer this question from him. I needed to let the Holy Spirit ask me, okay, Megan, you're living in regret. You're living in loss and pain, but what have you lost really since coming to me with this? Invariably, the answer is always, you know what? I haven't lost anything I really wanted anyway. I've lost the sin, but I didn't want that. I lost the damage that this was causing to my family, but I didn't want that. I lost the lack of care for my life, for my body, for my soul. I lost poor boundaries and I lost sleepless nights. I lost anger that lashed out at anything that wasn't perfect, but I didn't want any of that anyway. None of those losses that resulted from repentance were actually losses. They were removals of obstacles that were stopping me from living a life of salvation. The same will be true for you. What is your regret that you need to shift into repentance, friend? So I've given a few definitions so far today about like what's regret and what's repentance, but I've not shared yet what is sorrow. To have sorrow is, according to one definition, to feel pain of mind in consequence to evil experienced, feared, or done. The pain that you feel in your mind is real. It needs addressing. It needs repentance, however, not regret. Again, regret is shame-filled. Repentance is grace-filled. Once repentance is done, the first step being, right, simply bringing to Jesus all you've done. We get to then live in grace, but we've got to bring it to Jesus. All you currently regret and tell him everything. And I already alluded to this a little bit earlier, I think, but here's a secret in case you don't know, okay? He knows anyway, and he's not given up on you. I know he's not giving up on you because you're listening to these words right now. And that is a way that he is fighting for your heart and your mind and your soul. He doesn't want you to live with loss, but with salvation. Confess, ask him for forgiveness and ask him to show you how to live because the new is new and living in a new, it's going to be challenging and regret dies hard, especially if you cycled through your regret a thousand times a day for a long time. But in the words of my mentor, you've got to deal with what's real. And what's real is that he's extended his grace, his empathy of repentance. It is yours. You can ask him to allow you to step into that and walk in that. If you've asked Jesus into everything, accepted his forgiveness, and have committed to him being king of your life, 1 John 1, 9 tells us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous so that he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not some, not only the stuff that is cool and we can probably handle on our own, all of it. You are free. You are forgiven. And should sorrow creep in over past sins and failures, you can remind it that you have repented and are now in the fold of God's grace, not in regret, and not in the cage of shame. So I'm going to wrap up this podcast with something my husband often says. It's actually on our fridge on a piece of paper. Maybe one day I'll get something a little more official. But um, as it is, this is what he says. He says this all the time, and it's something that I've heard him um, speak to others about. But it's also something that we, we try to live within ourselves. 
This is what it says. It says, grace is a new power to live a new life. Now you have to choose to live it out, even if your feelings haven't caught up. It's not that you fake it until you make it. It's a conscious decision to embrace the reality that you are who Christ says you are. That's how you walk in your new identity. Your new identity, once repentance has been a part of your story, is one of salvation. It is not one of death. It is not one of loss. It is not one of regret. Your identity is not one of shame. It's a child of God in grace, in Christ Jesus. So hold your head up today. Go and live in repentance. Live where you belong. That's where you belong, in the fold of God. Thank you for joining us this week. Our prayer is that through this week's topic, you have been encouraged in the truth and discover tools for further freedom in your true identity, one created for and loved by God, one where shame has no say. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the No More Shame podcast so you don't miss next week's topic. You can also follow us on Instagram at no more shame underscore podcast for encouragement and reminders throughout the week. Join us every Monday for new episodes that will empower and equip you to live in the freedom of your true identity.